get more nervous in this room than anywhere else. It's on your radio right now. Do you know how to pop that coochie for a good one? There you go. It's the world's most dangerous one to show. Got the cameras on my the Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ MV. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. It's Taco Tuesday. Cinco de Mayo. Taco Tuesday on a Cinco de Mayo. That's right. You guys just don't want to get up for a revolt, huh? You guys don't want to be on a revolt anymore? I'm trying, but for some reason, if you're saying my password is wrong. Goodness gracious. Right hold, hold on, Revolt. Give me one second. Let me set. Well, you know what? Hold on. I set up. You got my voice for now. I forgot Goodness all about Revolt. Yeah, I, I hope you guys are off Revolt today. I'm like, I'm here on Revolt by myself. But okay. I'm sorry. Let I'm sorry, started. Revolt. I literally today, forgot. Today is Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo on a Taco Tuesday. Uh, Which would have been today's uh, my friend Natina's birthday. Happy birthday, Natina. Cinco mm-hmm. de Mayo. I was going to do that and a little per- later because she's sleeping. I know that. You said what? And, cor- and coronavirus. You know what I mean? We got everything we like on a uh, Taco Tuesday, right? On the Cinco mm. de Mayo. We got tacos. We got Corona. Okay, if we can somehow get tequila in this, we're going to be on. My goodness. Well, today I, I is to would have been a big day. Today would have been a big day out there. I mean, Cinco de Mayo on Taco Tuesday. I mean, all the bars would have been popping. DJs would have been working. Everything would have been nice. But no. That's all right. I mean, it, listen, it still can be, though, right? If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Um, There's plenty of soft taco kits still at the grocery stores, okay? Plenty of hard taco kits at the grocery stores, too. You can make some quesadillas at the crib. You know what I mean? You know what to buy the tequila at. What would I call it? Quesadillas. You, who cares? You know you, you know, you know where to buy the um, Corona's at. Like you know what I'm right? saying? All right, who cares? You know what we eating. How about fajitas? Want to correct that too? But there's plenty of things that you could be uh, doing Not on Taco Tuesday. Right. That's right. Well, it is. We could be doing on Taco Tuesday. It is Taco Tuesday, so get out there and enjoy and make some tacos with your family today if you can. If you're quarantined with your with your family, um, absolutely. I guess I, I guess you're right. I guess it's the way that you look at it. I mean, for myself, it, I, I mean, I know the clubs that have been popping. It have been tacos all over the place. The DJs that have been working. Everybody bouncers would have been working. Bartenders would have been working. Everybody uh, would have been working. There's a lot of people that look forward to this holiday because they make a lot of money on this holiday, though. But yeah, we got time do? to sit around and scratch what we don't have, man. We got to be thankful for what we do have. We all woke up this morning, right? Your yes. limbs are working, you're breathing, you know, you got your family and loved ones around you. Make the most of it. You know how to make tacos. Come on. Bet you yeah. the Migos having fun somewhere right now. Yeah, the, yeah they just released <laughs> a, a joint called Taco Tuesday. <laughs> they I, sure I don't did. Know where, I don't know where I heard that before. I heard that record. I yeah, heard they, that already. I, I couldn't believe it was real. Yeah, no, they definitely, it's, it's called Taco Tuesday. I'm going to play it maybe in the mix or maybe in the morning sometime. Man, I, I don't we know. We should be playing that every hour on the hour. Taco Tuesday? It's Cinco de Mayo and it's Taco Tuesday. It can't get any better. It really can't get any better when it comes to marketing this holiday. All right. I'm going to send it to to our producer right now so he he can put this on right now. It's clean already, so you ain't got to worry about it not being clean. Now, we got front page news. What we talking about in front page news? 
Yes, we're going to talk about Joe Biden, and he has put out this Lift Every Voice plan for African Americans. Oh, they've really? Been working on. So we'll tell you what's oh. in it. Oh, wow. Oh. That's amazing. Why you sound so shocked and surprised? You said it was coming out yeah, not, yesterday yeah, and today. I'm not shocked. Okay. I'm not shocked at all, actually. I'm glad that they did. I'm glad that they are actually listening to the voices of the people. Okay. All right. Well, I sent over Taco Tuesday. We ain't going to get it on now, but we get it on after the front page news. So don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Yeah. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting with, Yee? Well, Joe Biden's campaign has unveiled the Lift Every Voice plan for African Americans. It's a new agenda that just got unveiled yesterday. And he's calling for the Justice Department to prioritize prosecuting hate crimes for a $900 million initiative to fight gun violence, better access to federal relief funds for African Americans struggling due to coronavirus. The plan calls for more funding for the Small Business Administration to allow the agency to better support these small-owned businesses. Also, Joe Biden plans to invest $1 billion per year in juvenile justice reform. He proposes tripling... uh, Title I funding, creating a new tax credit of up to $15,000 for families buying their first home, making public colleges and universities tuition-free for students with family incomes below $125,000, amongst other things. So it's all dealing with uh, racial disparities within the economy, education, healthcare, criminal justice, voting rights, and environmental justice. Did y'all read it? Yeah. I haven't read it yet. I did read it. It's 22 22 pages long. Robin from Baller Alert actually uh, interviewed Joe Biden yesterday, and here's what he had to say about small businesses. The only way to build wealth in the African-American community is you have to invest in the success of African-American businesses and entrepreneurs. First and foremost, if I were president right now, I'd make sure economic relief, because of COVID-19, reaches African-American businesses that need it the most. In addition, I, I double the funding for the state small business credit initiative. By the way, all the data shows that the success rate is equally as good as any other community. Yeah, if you say you want to uh, advance the economic mobility of black people and close the racial wealth and income gap by investing in black workers or small businesses and communities, great. You say you want to expand black home ownership and wealth building, great. But we also have to remember you can't small business home ownership, your way out of uh, poverty, because most folks don't have the capital for, for either or. So, you know, promising black folks that they'll rise via black capitalism through small businesses, education, and home ownership, that isn't all our, our, all our realities. So it's solid, you know, for those who already have a little something, but I still think he's missing out on directly implementing things that will impact black communities immediately. But like, I was, you know, you, 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 you and I think education is important also, and that's something that oh, they well, also well, discuss well, we do exaggerate the return on investment of education, let's be honest, in our community. Like, come on. Oh, it's it just period. In, in it America. sounded like a blanket statement. It didn't seem like, I, maybe it's just me, maybe I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I didn't read it yet. Yeah, it just seemed, everything seemed like a blanket statement from what I've heard. I haven't read it yet, but it just seemed like, yeah, we need to put more money in the African-American community because we need to support African-American businesses because African-American businesses, da 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 da, da. But that, everybody's been saying that, but how? Does he say how he's going to support and you know, how he's going to put more money in? Envy, you're very correct. Uh, that that was my initial thoughts. My initial thoughts was it's more of the same old, same old. Um, you know, they they write these proposals and they identify the problems using the word African American. Then they hit you with a lot of rising tide, lift all boats policies. But it's it's some it's some okay things in there. It's just some things I don't understand. Like you know, the proposal for a nine hundred million dollar eight year grant program to fight gun violence in cities across the U.S. 
I don't even know what that means. Like, how does that reduce gun violence? I would rather figure out ways to directly put that $900 million in the hands of the people. You know what I mean? Create opportunities for them. That's how you reduce gun violence. So everything oh. seems like a blanket statement. Maybe it's just me. I didn't see it, but it, de- it definitely seems like a blanket statement. Well, I mean, there's funding that goes to schools with a high percentage of low-income students, and then there's supporting education beyond high school, which is community college, HBCUs, and uh, making sure that commun- local colleges are free if you make under a certain amount of money. Um, and according to Simone yeah, that- Sanders, she said, this plan reflects many months of work and feedback from local elected officials, activists, organizations, practitioners, policy experts, strategists, and young people. This is a living document and we look forward to continued engagement around this plan. So that's, I think you have a plan part. and then you still continue to build Absolutely. on that plan. It's a negotiation now. I mean, you, even just when you mentioned the, 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 the canceling of the debt, like that's kind of half-hearted saying only those who went to public colleges are eligible if, I think it's like if you make less than $125,000 a year something like that. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to get rid of student loan debt, get rid of all of it. Shouldn't matter if you went to public or, or, or private school. But listen, the moral of the story is always remember you get what you demand. You encourage what you tolerate. Uh, don't let anyone tell you that you shouldn't demand something for your vote. So I'm glad that something is on the table. And it's a negotiation now. That's all. Simple as that. It's a negotiation now. It's good that he put a black agenda forward. Um, I, I'm still hoping to see a, a, a black woman as his as his running mate. And he already committed to putting a black woman on the Supreme Court. So, I mean, those are, those are, those are some initial steps in the right direction. All right. All well, right. that is your front page news. Get it off your chest, 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. The number's 800-585-1051. Hit us up now. Phone lines are wide open. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. time to get it off your chest whether you're mad or blessed so you better have the same energy we want to hear from you on the breakfast club hello who's this yeah this is jaleel jaleel what's up get it off your chest what's happening king peace king what's good with you man i hit you on the dm sharp i just wanted to talk about uh with joe biden yeah it do sound like blanket statement but at the same time you know another way that we could combat that is through literacy, man. A lot of uh, statistics still show if our boys and our girls in our community is not reading on level, our fourth grade, they're on a direct line for prison. So they could man, my brother. Education, and, and, and in particular, reading and literacy. I'm glad you said that. I ha- I have something that I'm going to be implementing soon that that combats exactly that, like directly. I've been reading the same statistics you've been reading about how uh, low the literacy rate is amongst black and brown people in America, man. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm an author, so I got some th- I got some things coming that's going to directly impact that. I think so. Yo, I'm, Mr. so- I'm Mr. Underscore Social Vibe on uh, Instagram. I DM you. Man, we need to link up. I got some great stuff. I got a book company. We doing children's books with music. I can see download the music, listen to it, share it with your kids. PZK, Promised Land Global Kids. We doing What is it, Mr. Underscore what? Mr. Underscore Social Vibe. Social Vibe. You know the vibes. All right, brother. Hello, who's this? Yo, Big Chocolate the Toe Sucker. How we doing, y'all? Oh, no. What's up, bro? Get it off your chest, man. Two two things, uh, Envy. Yeah, one, I want to wish my mom a happy birthday. Mom, I love you. And uh, she likes the show, and she don't care that I'm a great toe sucker. 
And two, I also want to see Takashi 69 in a video with Cardi B and her bouncing booty. So what do you think about that sausage biter? Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't sit around and think about things like that, sir. I like Cardi B, but I have not thought about Takashi 69 in any way, shape, or form. I'm a grown-ass man, 41 years old. Hello, who's this? Hey, this is Kim. Hey, Kim, get it off your chest, Kim. What's happening, Kim? Hey, hey, DJ MD. Hey, Charlamagne. Hey, Angela Hey. Hey, Kim. I'm, okay, so I just wanted to get off my chest that yesterday I had a situation with my baby dad. And me and, he and I have been working on our, our relationship to get stronger. And it was a situation where his friend uh, was, like, involved because she was in the car in the vehicle with us and she just made a comment to me uh where he kind of compared us or said out loud like y'all are kind of similar in a joking way and she was like well there is no comparison um so don't compare me to her and kind of got real rude in the situation it just made me feel uncomfortable which i know i should have spoke up for myself but he did correct the situation once i got out of the car but she has nothing to do with what he and I have going on and us taking mm-hmm. care of our daughter. And I just feel like she is real rude and disrespectful. Yeah, you know, never let other people's energy affect what you have going on. That's not his fault that she said that, and you can't let her affect you that way because that was her intention. And you ain't going to swing on her. A lot of times people intentionally try to say and do nasty things, and you have to let it slide because you know that's what they want, and the best thing you can do is not react. Amen. Unless you feel like unless you feel like swinging on them. Right, but why didn't I catch it in that moment? Like, yo, she's being rude to me. Let me really say something and speak up for myself. So I'm kind of mad at myself. Like, I should have mm-hmm. spoke up, but no. Shit. You too. You, listen, some, yeah. When you got when you got a lot of things going on, and you know you're blessed, and you know you're not stressing about nothing. Sometimes you miss stuff like that. You'd be like, was he trying to play me? Oh, was she trying to play me? <laughs> you catch it later. But who cares? Let them die in their own misery. Well, that's true. Thank you. That's helpful. Well, have a good one. All righty, Mama. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. I'm dialing. I'm dialing. Hey, what you doing, man? I'm dialing. I'm calling call you. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. <laughs> Hello, who's this? It's Rick from Brooklyn. I ain't talked to you guys in a minute. Good morning, Andy. What's up, Rick? Uh, hey, Rick. Morning, yeah, Rick, so- what's happening, King? Uh, I wanted to talk about um, uh, Joe Biden's proposed uh, black agenda, quote-unquote, right? Um, yes, sir. Envy uh, said earlier that it sounded like a blanket statement. It's going to be a blanket statement because these people don't know our problem. To be honest, a lot of these people, they're just watching from the outside. They don't know what it is to, to go through what we go through. We need more black participation from the people that are in our culture that know what we're co- where we're coming from. And I think that's what happens a lot of times in our politics is we get to a certain level in our political system, but we don't get to that. We don't get as involved. We don't get right down to the nitty gritty of things. And we le- we leave our agenda to other people that don't understand what we're going through. So they always Rick. give us blank statements because we don't participate as much as we should. Yeah, Rick, you're absolutely right. I mean, they did talk to, um, you know, various groups of black people, but, you know, black people are, are not monolithic. So, yes, I do. It, sh- it should be a lot of, when you say lift every voice, if that's going to be the name of your proposal, you really do have to talk to a bunch of different voices. But doesn't it doesn't that even sound very stereotypical black to say lift every voice? They're just giving you the generic to what you know, like what they what they right. think is going to be something that you 
that you're familiar with. They don't know our individual. Well, Rick, what are some things that you would like to see if they consulted with you? If they consulted with me, right? We have to, I used to work in the public school system as an after-school coach. And mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of it, our, 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 our disconnects happen because kids, the educational system varies from school to school and district to district. All kids are not are not given the same opportunities based on where you live. You could go Very to Astoria, Queens. You could go to Astoria, Queens, and find kids that are getting way more educational tools than kids that live in the That's Bronx true. or that live in Brooklyn. And I used to see that all the time. And how can that be for schools? And they're all in the same um, the same um, board of ed system. Like, how can you have different right. sources for different schools? My son's school is a Title One school. I'm my son's Title One representative for uh, uh, MSC. Uh, the science and medicine school in Brooklyn, and they get three thousand dollars to spend for a year. Three thousand dollars for a school for Title One? Are you kidding me? So that's ridiculous. Did so you um, did you read what they said about um those particular schools and everything and Title One funding and all of that? Yeah. Did you yeah, read that part of it? Angela, if you increase Title One by five uh, um by fifty percent, no, I'm just asking because I'm looking at it right now. I, I, I know. So what does it say? <laughs> It says eliminate the funding gap between white and non-white districts and rich and poor districts in order to give teachers a raise and expand STEM curriculum in underserved school districts. There's an estimated $23 billion annual funding gap between white and non-white school districts today. Biden will work to close this gap by nearly tripling Title I funding. The federal program funding schools with a high percentage of students from low-income families. This new funding will first be used to ensure teachers at Title I schools are paid competitively. Three- and four-year-olds have access to preschool and districts provide, provide access to rigorous coursework, including computer science and other STEM subjects across all their schools, not just a few. What do you think, Rick? I heard that. I, if, even if you triple Title I, for my son's school, would be $15,000, depending on the neighborhood. Oh, come on. If you're going to be... Li- and what is competitively when you're talking about teachers? All these... This is a, that's a blanket statement in itself. Why is not... Yeah. Teach, yeah. Competitive? So, so teachers, this is what I'm trying to say. No rich teachers. So this is a proposal, right? And what happens yep. when you propose and people negotiate and you lose and you get That's right. sometimes you don't right? So I'm just saying that I didn't really want to call it to be all adamant about this stuff, but it's it is it is it is um blanket statement that if we don't participate in our own process that we're gonna lose out all the time. If we don't participate, we're not in there on council meetings, we're not in there on the basic local level for voting, and we're not putting people that look like us in power. So we're always gonna get I agree with you on that, and I definitely agree, and I say that all the time, that people can't just complain. They also have to participate and make sure their voices are heard. I want to say one more thing before I leave. I'm a utility worker here in New York City. Mm-hmm. I'm headed into work right now. I want to give a shout-out to all my people that are coming in and keeping the lights on in New York City, especially the people that work at Canada. All right? All right. Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Rick. And, and, and you know, Rick, Rick is absolutely right. Uh, it, it is a negotiation now. So, you know, I would encourage, you know, every organization out there, you know, um, black organization, like, yo, put your own demands on the table. You know what I mean? These people are definitely listening, you know, and then, and a lot of these people you can, <laughs> you can get at via social media, but even still just make your demands public because it is, it is a negotiation. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, you can hit us up. Now we got rumors on the way. Yes, and let's talk about the last dance. Apparently, it was very difficult to get some insight from Kobe Bryant. We'll tell you what the director had to say about the Michael Jordan documentary. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk French Montana. It's time, time, time. She's spilling the tea. 
This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. French Montana, he was on with Big Boy, and he was talking about an artist who was the, quote, most difficult. Now, to be clear, French didn't say that Kodak was necessarily difficult, but that it was very strange. Listen to this. Definitely Kodak. Really? The Kodak. most difficult? What made Kodak? No, not difficult. My young boy was just, you know, you know, about that life, you know what I'm saying? And it was just, me and him didn't have, like, one conversation when we shot the video. Like, I just looked at him, and he growled at me, like, Ugh. I'm like, yo, that's my dog. Man, shot the, shot the car. <laughs> you know, we was getting lit. We was drinking. We was this and that. So, you know, he just, he lived that rock star life. Kodak from Florida, that's how he communicates. He probably said a million different things with that growl. You just got to understand the language. You know what I'm saying? That's all. Yeah. And in other news, Rosie O'Donnell it talks about Bill Cosby sexually harassing one of her producers. She was on Watch What Happens Live, and she said she was not surprised by all of these accusations against Bill Cosby that started in the fall of 2014 because she had actually witnessed his behavior toward a female producer on her syndicated talk show. Here's what she said. She was assigned to do his mystery guest. He was there as the mystery guest. So in the room, the green room, the producer goes in, and she's talking and saying to Bill Cosby, you know, she's not going to know that it's you. And he said all she has to do is put her hand right here. And he put his hand near his penis, and she'll know it's me. She started to cry and got up and left. The th- then our producer, who was an African-American man, the executive producer, he went in and had a big discussion with Bill Cosby about what's appropriate and what's not. And then they didn't tell me about it until after the show. Now, Rosie O'Donnell also said she was later prevented from bringing it up on The View, even as Cosby was being accused by more than 60 women. So for some reason, she wasn't able to discuss that, I guess. I don't know why they wouldn't let her bring that up. Yeah, she should have been able to talk about what she wanted to talk about. Was it a topic of conversation, though? You 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 got to see what what was the topic of conversation that day. Well, maybe they were talking about the allegations against Bill Cosby that were piling in, and that was before he was arrested, charged, and convicted because she was on The View from 2006 to 2007 and then again from 2014 to 2015. So I'm sure that... Yeah, it would have been an opportunity to to discuss it. Yes, so according to Bill Cosby's team, though, they are just saying these are false allegations about Mr. Cosby in order to gain attention for themselves. And it's another attempt for a well-known celebrity like Rosie O'Donnell to create that false allegation. But the the view probably didn't want the legal problems, though, because, I mean, if you make an accusation like that and you don't have anything to back it up, I mean, he could sue. That's probably probably what it... You could say allegedly if that that really happened. She tried and to bring it up. And if you're there firsthand and witness that and that happened, you know, still don't mean nothing. I experienced. Yeah, that's still, but that's still your word versus his word, and you're on a platform that can be held liable for that. That's not like it's not like you're saying that on your social media where it's just you that's going to deal with that. It's the view in ABC, so I can understand. All right, now let's talk about 50 Cent. He did an interview with The Guardian. He talked about his beef with Oprah. He explained why it all went down. He said during his rise to stardom, he was trying to solidify himself by going on Oprah. It would have meant a lot for him. He said she was completely against everything that was in my music, so she ain't never going to have me on that show. I'm never going to reach that platform, which is confirmation of you being a huge success. So I just said, okay, if we can't be friends, then at least let's be enemies. So that's when he started going on her, uh, fully going at her family. Fan base. He even named one of his dogs Oprah. Now, at some point, the two of them did settle their differences and they were able to become cool. But he also, uh, 
you know, he said, when asked if he ever agreed with her views, did you hear what I said? They are misogynistic, but the world is not under the same circumstances. Are you going to tell a painter what to paint? I'm an artist. Why am I limited to what you feel should be said? And film and television, they will show art imitates life. Are you not aware of those situations uh, taking place? So, first of all, explain Oprah. Mm-hmm. no, first of all, naming your dog Oprah, that is love. Okay, that is the uh, that is the utmost love for somebody to name your animal after them. And number two, I wonder what Oprah's thoughts about hip hop are now. Has anybody ever asked Oprah that lately? Has her thoughts on hip hop changed? It's a good question. I don't know. Wonder. Right, and he and he does make the point. He said the truth is all things come from your experience. I got shot nine times, and I wrote music about it. Everyone writes something that can connect in a big way based on a painful moment. So you're saying we're not supposed to articulate or write it the way we experience? That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and hip-hop is lying to itself if we say that we, at one point, weren't very misogynistic and very sexist and very chauvinistic in the in the music. Yes, the music was disrespectful to the, the women. Go back and listen to some of that stuff now. You'd be like, God damn. Yeah, if you don't cringe, then you haven't grown. All right, and Ray J says that Princess Love won't let him see their kids until he quarantines. He tells Page Six... I'm lonely right now. I don't want to quarantine by myself. I keep telling Princess, but she says, if I see one person over there with you, you got to start over. So I really have to lock myself in because I really miss my kids. And she spotted one of his Instagram posts. He was posing less than six feet from short film director Antonio Ward. So she made him start his quarantine over. She said, I got to put in seven days alone. And I'm good with the seven, but she really wants me to do 14. So it's hard to look at the 13 days left. Drop one of Clues oh. bombs for Princess Love, goddammit. That's Check right. Family. If, if Ray J don't want to social distance properly, then he's going to have to quarantine. I don't have a problem with that at all, okay? Right. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you, and Ray And then, J? funny enough, he even sent pictures of himself depressed in a bathtub. Ray J, ain't, ain't none of them Negroes you around uh, worth being away from your family during this quarantine. All of that can wait. You ain't got Zoom, Ray J? Huh? You don't got to meet none of these people Mail. face-to-face. One of my friends has kids, right? She's actually married, but they're separated. And her husband went on a date with somebody, and she's like, nope, you got to wait 14 days. You cannot wait for it. You got to protect the family. Goddamn right. Mm -hmm. And that is, I think, very. mm -hmm. No, I'm saying California reopening, what, this week, next week? Parts of California reopening next week. So I wonder how that, I wonder, did that change things? No, it is. Governor Gavin Newsom said that yesterday. They're reopening, they're moving to phase two of reopening California. I think either later this week or early next week. Really? Yeah, man. We didn't even get to all that in front page news and what's happening with all that, but we'll get to that in a minute. All right, I guess that's your rumor report. <laughs> when we come back, front page news, don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ MV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where we starting with Yee? Well, let's start with California. Yesterday, they announced their first tentative steps to reopen from lockdown. They're giving retail stores a green light to open this week with restrictions. Uh, According to the governor, he said this is an optimistic day as we see a little bit of a ray of sunshine. He said he's able to loosen the sweeping restrictions that he imposed March 19th because of testing for Californians. The the virus had ramped up more than 25,000 people a day and reports of new cases of coronavirus were no longer surging. So uh, under the governor's new orders, which will take effect on Friday, if new cases of coronavirus continue to rise only slightly or flatten, most retail businesses can reopen with social distancing modifications, and those modifications will be spelled out on Thursday. 
All right, in Missouri, they've seen a record number of new coronavirus cases as the state did reopen. They had the highest number of new cases in one day yesterday. That's the same day that the state reopened for some businesses. And so they saw an increase of 368 cases, the most since the pandemic hit, and six more deaths due to the illness. In Louisiana, they reported the lowest number of coronavirus deaths over the last three days, according to the governor. There were 22 new deaths in the state yesterday. That's the lowest number in one day in over a month. Retail stores in Arizona will be opening Friday with strict physical distancing. They'll allow all retail stores to do in-person business again by the end of the week. And they're saying the number of new coronavirus cases is declining, so they feel that businesses can reopen safely. In Mississippi, the governor is allowing outdoor gatherings of up to 20 people and also dining in restaurants subject to strict guidelines that servers wear masks. There's no more than 50% capacity in the restaurants. They said hopefully that will help with overcrowding in grocery stores. And in Kentucky, they're starting the second phase of reopening health care. They'll be uh, reopening that tomorrow. That will include outpatient gastrointestinal procedures, radiology procedures, diagnostic non-urgent cardiac uh, procedures, outpatient orthopedic procedures, outpatient ophthalmological procedures, outpatient ear, nose, and throat procedures, and outpatient dental procedures. And restaurants in Kansas are now open as safer at-home order expires. So the plan is to cautiously and gradually reopen our state. Phase two will be uh, bars and clubs reopening opening at 50% and that's going to start no sooner than May 18th and in phase three no sooner than June 1st they'll be reopening schools and non-essential travel resuming. I'm so confused by all of this because when you're watching you know the news or you're reading the news you see that they say there's going to be 3,000 daily deaths from coronavirus I mm-hmm. think from starting in June. Or, or the, the, so it's like if all of these deaths are happening why is everything reopening? Like, I'm confused yeah, about what's know, going on right they've now. Doubled, they've doubled their last estimate as far as how many deaths will be in the United States. They said the new model projects 134,000 deaths, and that is because of loosening social distancing rules and increased mobility. So it does seem very confusing. Yeah, I think everybody should look at states that opened up the last week and see how it's going for them first before we just start opening up all these states. So you know Atlanta jumped out ju- jumped out the window and opened up. So let's Georgia. see what happens with Atlanta first for the first week. Let's see if the cases went up. Let's see what's going on. And then we can kind of, you know, modify what we w- want to do from there. But not just, I don't let's know. open up and see what's going on. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if a week is long enough, though, though. Because, I mean, even when you see, like, Atlanta open up and then they say, oh, they have a thousand new cases, it might have just been... Some folks who just got access to tests. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I said. That after a week, you should be able to see because, you know, it's you start seeing people getting sick and hopefully, you know, people have symptoms. So I, I, I guess you would start to see, you know, but I would give it some time. Not just, hey, everybody open up. Beaches open. Parks yeah. open. Have a good it's time. So conf- nah, it's so confusing. Like, you can't tell me that, you know, the, the, the daily estimates for deaths are going up, but then you're just reopening everything. I don't confuse it for confused. me. I'm staying my ass in the house. Yeah, I'm going to stay home, too. I'm going to figure this out. I'll let y'all... I'm watching, seeing what y'all doing out there. Mm-hmm. I see you, boy. Remember you know, when somebody shot you out? I see you. I see you. <laughs> All right, and Joe Biden's campaign has unveiled the Lift Every Voice plan for African Americans. According to the plan, they said... Um, this is something that has driven his entire campaign. He launched his campaign talking about some of the hate that we saw out in Charlottesville. He'll make clear that hate has no safe harbor. 
It's a $900 million initiative to fight gun violence and better access to federal relief funds for African-Americans struggling due to the coronavirus, prioritizing prosecuting hate crimes. According to this plan, he would also call for more funding for the Small Business Administration to allow the agency to better support African-American-owned small businesses, more federal contracting opportunities for African-American-owned businesses, investing a billion dollars per year in juvenile justice reform, also tripling Title I funding, creating a new tax credit of up to $15,000 for families buying their first home, making public colleges and universities tuition-free for students with family incomes below $125,000, and ensuring that political appointees and including the president's cabinet, look like the country they serve and ensure that our federal workforce is representative of the demographics of our country. Those are some of the things that are in that plan. You know, I, I have a lot of thoughts on it. Um, you know, my initial thoughts are it's more of the same old, same old. Um, you know, like they write these proposals and, you know, they identify the problems using the word African-American. Then they start talking these arising tide lift all boats policies but but there's some okay things in there i think the best thing said about that um that proposal i think came from i think Simone sanders said it it was a, it's, a, it's a living it's a living document right mm-hmm. so therefore it's negotiable you know what i mean it's a lot of things that should be added on to it you know it's a lot of things in there that are weak the criminal justice reform part is very weak especially for someone who wrote the 94 crime bill and the economic plan in there is cool i think for black people who already got got a little money you know what I mean? So it's a, it's a lot of different things in there I think um, could be better. I think the canceling debt is half-hearted, especially saying only those who went to public colleges are eligible. And um, what what is it? If you make less than $125,000 a year, like if you're going to get rid of student loan debt, get rid of it all. Like student loan debt is like $1.7 trillion. We just seen them give that out over the past couple of weeks like it's nothing. So if you're going to get rid of student loan yeah, debt, I don't know if that student, student loan debt, loan debt is says. It says making public colleges and universities tuition free. So I don't know if that means just moving forward. If you're going to school, it doesn't necessarily say that's canceling previous debt. So I'm not sure about that one. Well, let's open up the phone lines. Let's let's open up the phone lines. 800-585-1051. You know, people always say, well, you know, we need to we need something from these candidates. We're not just going to give our vote Mm -hmm. away. So we're asking, what would you ask for the candidate? What do you need? What do you want? No, no, no. Black agenda, not just what what everybody wants. This isn't a this isn't a question for everybody. I'm sorry to all our white listeners, but this is a black agenda question. Some Latino, Latino listeners as well, and Latinos want things as well. Latinos too. I love the Latinos too, but we talking about black right now. This is a black agenda. Latinos are we talking about black, agenda. or are we talk about just an agenda though of, of what well, they want? Right now, we're talking also. about a black agenda. Well, this is an African American the... agenda. This is yes. for African American businesses, yes. entrepreneurs, education. Yes. So Can we have a moment. Can we, have, can we have a for us by us segment? Just for well, Rick called this morning, all right? Now, Rick, Rick said, you know, there's something that oh, he Rick. wanted. He said, Rick who? <laughs> <laughs> he called during Get It Off Your Chest. His name was Rick, and this is what he said he wanted. If they consulted with me, right? I used to work in the public school system as an after-school coach, and mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of it or disconnects happen because kids, the educational system varies from school to school and district to district. All kids are not uh, not given the same opportunities based on where you live. You could go to Astoria, Queens, and find kids that are getting way more educational tools than kids that live in the That's Bronx true. or that live in Brooklyn. How can that be for schools and they're all in the same board of ed system? All right, well, let's open up him. the phone lines. What would you ask? What do you want? Call us up right now. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. It's topic time. Call 800-585-1051 to join into the discussion with The Breakfast Club. Talk about it. 
Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, if you just joined us, we were talking about Joe Biden. And uh, he released his black agenda yesterday. Lift every uh, voice. Lift every voice. Yes, plan for black America. All right. And we were asking 800-585-1051, what would you ask for Joe Biden? I said what I've heard so far seems like more of a blanket statement. Um, but um, we would ask, what, what would you ask? I mean, some of the things that he said, in my opinion, just seem like, yes, we need to, ha- you know, ha- help the school system in, 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 in low poverty areas. We need better education. We need more money for real. It just seemed like a blanket statement. That's me. But yeah, I haven't well, yeah, gone through everything. But that I mean, is true. We do need that. Yeah, yeah but we, you know, we, we needed that for years, but how, get, but, but how, how do we get, get it done? Doing it? Exactly. Yeah, but you but you know, when you promise black folks that they will rise via black capitalism through small business, education, and home ownership, you just got to understand that's not all of our reality. Like, the U.S. is not driven through small business economy, and we exaggerate the return on investment on education. And home ownership is not the only pathway to wealth, so it's solid for those who already have a little something, but I still think, you know, he's missing out on directly implementing things that will impla- impact, you know, black communities immediately. That's why. Well, I, would you like to start? Would you want to start with what we, what we would do? Well, I want to say a couple of things about that because I do feel like small business ownership is a big deal for our community, especially for African-American women. And there's been a lot of research that shows that black women are the ones that are opening businesses at a, a way greater rate than any other group of people, right? And that's been going on for a couple of years now. But we get the least amount of capital to open those businesses. So I do think that that is important. While some businesses might get over $100,000, black women get about $20,000 for every $100,000 that another business might get. So I do think we are, as black women, opening up these businesses, these small businesses, but not getting the access to the same capital. So that's important to me in particular and to a lot of black women I know. Um, Also, when it comes to education, I always feel like education is the base of everything, you know, just to make sure that there's after school programs, make sure that there's no disparity in the education system. And so that is something that definitely for for centuries has had to be worked on. So I think what are the solid plans to be able to do that? So those are some of the things that I feel are important. And as far as home ownership, it's not really necessarily just about wealth because wealth isn't as important to everybody's not like I need to be wealthy, but it is about being confident and comfortable. And I know that people feel a lot more comfortable. I know before I owned a home, I was very nervous about how am I going to ever be able to retire comfortably? How can I feel comfortable knowing that, okay, you know, I'm 65 years old now. I don't want to have to work for the rest of my life to pay rent somewhere. So I do feel like home ownership is important. Being able to pass down a house to your next generation is important so that you can actually have a foot up on everybody else and not have to worry about those things. So those are things that we do need to some solid plans. Yeah, yeah, you're right on a lot of those points. And, you know, you know, it's good that if people want to, if they want to expand black home ownership and wealth building, that's great. But, you know, you just got to remember, you can't small business home ownership your way out of poverty because most folks don't have the capital for any of that. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's like even if so, that's what that would be one of my things, right? Like even though home ownership is not the only way to build wealth, I would like to see more generational wealth created through home ownership. But you got to provide down payment assistance. You got to get black folks banked and recognized by credit scoring companies. You got to enforce fair lending laws. You got to reduce foreclosures and evictions, and you got to increase the supply of affordable housing, right? Envy, you in the real estate game? You provide a lot of affordable housing for people, right? Absolutely. That's what you got to do. And also, I'm gonna tell you what I would want to do. I would want 
a lot of money. And I'm talking about hundreds of billions of dollars invested in hoods all across America. Now we'll go to improvements, public schools, hospitals, mm-hmm. and housing, because environment, uh, environment to me automatically improves kids' mental and emotional health and gives them something positive to do. And I love the idea of a universal basic income, because when I see Joe Biden has a $900 million eight-year grant program to fight gun violence, I'm like, bruh, just find a way to put that money into the hands of the people, create opportunities for them. That's how you'll reduce gun violence. Right. That's what I think, personally. Well, well, see, for myself, I I would definitely uh, standard policy as far as lending, meaning it doesn't matter what your background is, what you do. If your credit score is a certain amount of money and you can prove that you make this amount of money, you should be able to get lending. You should be able to get loans. A lot of times they don't allow us to get these loans depending on when we live. We need to cut that out immediately. That should have been cut out a long time ago. Also, taxing. They tax a lot of people I don't feel like should be taxed as high. And when I say that, I mean, if you're a first-time person in your family that's really making money, right? And, and mm-hmm. I, I guess you could call it legacy. If you're a legacy person, you've made, been, your family's been making millions for a long time. So that money stays in your family. And like you said, you could pass down that wealth. You could pass down that house. But if you're a first-time person that's just starting to make money, and not a million, it don't even have to be a million. It could be a couple hundred thousand years. You shouldn't be taxed like the next person be taxed because how can I possibly create generational wealth if you tax me just like that's you're taxing right. a man that's been making $20 million a year for all of his life? I'll give never give me a break. Up. We're that's so right. far behind. You have to give our community a break. And when Y'all owe us reparations. And when it comes to education, we need to make it easier for us to get money. There's so many people that hit me and so many students that can't go to school because of $1,000 or can't go to school because of $2,000 or can't go to school because $700 because they can't get that money. And what, and I love what you said about small businesses, but the problem with small businesses, we need to create some type of committee or some type of of. Of I don't, I don't know I don't even know what you would call it but yes so you're right can get the capital lend the, the money that's business. that's yeah. great but that's not the problem the problem is we have to teach we need somebody yes. there to say I'm gonna help you and show you how to do it everything right. that I've done in real estate Every- nobody taught me I had to teach myself everything when it came to business I didn't know I had to teach Very myself true. and I got bumps and bruises there was nobody to be like hey my my dad didn't know so he didn't say hey son Very this good is how point. you do it we have to be able to yeah giving the money is great but you kids can't give somebody a hundred thousand dollars they go you got to say okay Okay, here's a hundred thousand dollars. Let me show you how to do a business plan. Let me show you and how to create this business. And that's and why I'm very in not, support. We don't. Of- of funding the Small Business Administration just because I've worked with them here in New York and they have free classes. You pay for that with your tax dollars. And I learned how to do a lot of things that I learned how to do by having access to that. And they did this whole black entrepreneurship campaign last year. And we do need to expand that because it also teaches you how to get uh, contracts with the federal government. And that's how a lot of companies have gotten wealthy because these small companies have managed to get these contracts from the government and then they've grown into uh, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of money. And these are things I didn't know about until I started taking these free courses and so people need to know about these courses, have access to them because they do teach you how to do a, uh, everything that you need to do to start a business. So well, we'll if you're take, a small business owner, I'll, I think it is important yeah. to know you have access to that. What you say? And just to, just to build on what you said about school, Envy, that's another thing I would implement. Um, I would implement some type of free trade school, right? has to be something for folks who don't want to go to traditional college. And when you learn a trade, when you learn to do something with your hands, you can immediately start making money. But also you can start rebuilding your own hoods immediately, you know what I mean? And I think that's something that should be in prisons, making prisons actual correctional facilities and, and giving them a skill they can actually use to make money when they come home. 
Uh, well, when we come back, we'll take some calls, 800-585-1051. And shout out to Mayor Ross Barak, right? I was talking to him the other day. And what he wants to do is get a lot of these minority business holders to, to make the city have to buy from them. Like, you know, like the city has so many different schools and buildings that use toilet paper. They should be buying from a black person that makes toilet paper. Like, have these businesses where they know they will be straight for the rest of their life. Not just say, okay, we're going to give it to this company, and this company makes millions of dollars. No, give it to the people that are in the community. If there's somebody in Newark that makes toilet paper, we have to buy it from them. If there's somebody in the community that makes paper for schools, we have to buy it from them. We have to keep that money in our community circulating in our community. All right. And that's why I'm talking about getting getting contracts with the government. That's exactly why that's important. 800-585-1051. 800-585-1051. What would you ask for? Let's open up the phone lines. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. I know in there. Call me. Add your opinion to The Breakfast Club top. Come on. 800-585-1051. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, if you just joined us, we're asking, what would you ask Joe Biden for? All right. Now, Joe Biden released his Lift Every Voice. Uh, I hate what- that title, by the way. Plan, the God. plan for Black America. The plan for his Black agenda. You might as well call it Lift Every Slave Ship. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Lift Every Voice. Come on, bro. Like it could have been. I have a dream. I mean, it was either. It was either. I have a dream for you, Negro. <laughs> let's, go, let's go to the phone lines. Hello, oh who's this? God. Hey, this Walt. Walt, what's going Walt. on, brother? Hey, Bray, what's going on? Good, mo- good morning, everybody. I just want to say I good love morning. y'all. I thank you. I, I, I thank you, Angela Yee, uh, and th- thank you for having me. Real quick, I just want to say two things and get about your way. Yeah, um, the two things that I, I would like to see from Biden is, um, and it basically involves specificity on how he's going to invest $900 million over the next eight years in stopping gun violence. I mean, yes. like, honestly, it's like something I would like to see is, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and I studied this, you know, like I went to school and I actually studied criminology and I actually been to prison myself. Um, so my, my, my thing is, if you want to talk about stopping gun violence, the only thing that has been proven to drop crime all, all across the board is by creating opportunity. Police don't yes, stop more crime. jobs. Prisons mm-hmm. don't stop crime. None of that stuff stops crime. So an idea that I think would be great in that $900 million investment is expanded after-school programs from kindergarten all the way to high school that are specifically focused on things that I love that. Know, help help out life skills, you know, like teach kids how to be barbers, cosmetologists, audio engineers, you know, like whatever the case may be, but um, specifically targeted at um, schools that have overwhelming minority populations Mm -hmm. and poor poor students. So that's that's one thing I would like to see, target after school programs. The second thing is, if you're going to talk about mass incarceration, a big driver of that is... Uh, technical parole and probation violations. That thing has to be completely wiped out and parole and probation should not get in the way of you having a job or being able to do things. Like, what sense does it make if you got to see a parole officer two times a week at 12 mm-hmm. noon, right. but you, but you got to have a job? Right. Absolutely. Thank you, girl. Okay, Thank you, I like for those plans. In. Thank you. Hello, who's this? Hey, this is Lee from Augusta, Georgia. Hey, Lee, what's going on? If, if We're talking about if, if you could ask Joe Biden for something, what would you ask him for? I'd ask Joe Biden that if you're a felon and you haven't been in trouble in 10 years, 
you should be able to get your arrest expunged. Depending on the crime, though, I agree with you. Depending on the crime, absolutely, I agree with you. But if you're a pedophile, it gotta stay on your, you gotta stay on your record. Yeah, if but those drug charges, stuff like that. Drug charges, and stuff like that can go. But if you're right. a pedophile. And your behavior after that. Yeah, if, if you're a pedophile. I'm sorry, non-violent, non-pedophile. I'm sorry. Okay, non-violent, non-sexual. No, I mean, some non-violent as well. I mean, the first charge I ever had was assaulting Braddy with intent to kill her. All I was doing was sitting in the back seat, minding my business while my guy was bucking off. You know what I'm saying? It's been 20 years. Can I get that off my record? Jesus. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That's why I said certain. It depends on what you did. But 800-585-1051, we're asking, what would you ask for Joe Biden? And you know what? I, one thing that I thought was, was, was very, very important for me growing up, uh, and I'm from Jamaica, Queens, was after-school programs. There were so many different things I can do as a kid after school, whether it was baseball, whether it was basketball, whether it was football, whether it was all these different things. And times has changed. You know, people, you know, kids are making millions off of video games. They're making millions off of coding. They're making millions off of all these different things. We have to start implementing these things in these schools and making it fun for the communities. And not just the schools, but community leaders. Like, when I had these things, it wasn't, I didn't go to no community school. It was, the, they gave money to the community leaders. Like, my dad was a coach for basketball. Uh, Mr. Jones was a coach for something else. This one, like, it was the money stayed in the community and everybody was involved. That's that's why I said I want a $100 billion investment in the hoods all across America. Like, the, the talking about home ownership, the small businesses, all of that is great, but I'm just talking about for the regular, everyday person who don't have the capital for that, let's take hundreds of billions of dollars and invest them in hoods all across America that go to the public schools, that go to the after-school programs, that go to make the hospitals better, that go to make the housing better. Like, that just builds up the community. 800-585-1051. Hey, we're asking, what would you ask from Joe Biden? Call us now. It's The Breakfast Club. Come on. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, if you just join us, we're asking, what would you ask from Joe Biden? Yesterday, he released his black agenda. And um, we're asking, if you could ask for one thing or two things, what would you ask from him? Let's go to the phone lines. Hello, who's this? Good morning. This is Chanel. Hey, Chanel. Where hey, you calling Chanel. from? I'm calling from uptown, and I just don't believe in the federal government. Mm, talk I really to me. don't. Um, I just feel like, first of all, um, I agree with Charlemagne more. I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling you, Yee, but we have gentrification. So buying property is, I make, I make a good salary. So buying property is hard when you have gentrification. I want to know how can they build an uptown, but not build it in the trailer park? So we need to stop mm. that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids go to school on the Upper West Side, and I was picking them up from school one day. I was eavesdropping on these little white kids. They were repeating. They were talking about politics, repeating what their parents were saying. They don't give a damn about what's going on in our community. They're just looking at. They're just looking what's going on. Um, well, they're looking what you know how to stay in power. They're not trying to fix what's going on in our community because the reality is it's not their reality. Right. It's hard mm-hmm. to open up small businesses because of gentrification. You know, mm-hmm. I'm in my I'm I'm in my 30s, and you know, being born in the 80s, you heard go to school, get an education, get a good job, say no to drugs, did that. But yet, none of my you know none of my peers are able to reach that because times have changed. We don't run off of small uh, small um, pop mom and pop shops anymore. Mm-hmm. Nope. So what does it really do? And I don't, I don't, I don't have faith in the federal government. I do have faith in our local government, but the reality is, 
it's not their reality. It's not their problem. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of hearsay. You're right. And you know what? And, yeah. and what you said was, was, was perfect, spot on. Like, even like a time like this, right? With the coronavirus, it's hurting our community, it's hurting our, it's hurting everybody, but not. I wouldn't say everybody. There's a lot of people out there, like you said, gentrification right now that are coming up. And I'm going to tell you why, right? So, you know, a lot of people that's going to be rich after this. I still buy properties, right? And before when I was Mm -hmm. buying properties, it was a, I would have to battle against somebody. Now there is no battle. Cash is king. You can go buy all these properties, might have had a value of a million dollars. People are picking them up for 500,000, 600,000. Of course, the value is going to shoot back up. And when it does, those people will be rich. Those people that have even more money, even talk about the stock market. You know, some of these stocks were going for $80, $90, dropped to $10. People were just buying ish loads of stock. And when this is over and them, and them airline stocks go back up and Disney goes mm-hmm. back up and Boeing goes back up and all these stocks go back up, who's going to be, who's going to have the money? Because our community could barely afford to buy toilet paper. I will say, though, Warren Buffett let go of all his U.S. airline stock yesterday, though. Just want to throw that out there. I'm, I'm an educator. I'm an educator. I teach in a high-needs district. Um, when my kids started going to school, my, my son is about to be 13 next month. So back, you know, when he was in kindergarten, I had to choose a school and I live borderline, you know, Upper West Side, Harlem. I had to decide, do I want to send my child to a school in Harlem? Knowing the disparities that those type of districts right. face, or mm-hmm. do I want to send them to a better district and I, where he's not going to see people like him, unfortunately. And I had to choose his education because just working in the education system and see what, seeing what's going on, the fact that high schools are now broken down and smaller, smaller schools, like we're New York City. We have, we are not, when you compare, uh, you cannot compare it to any other city. And that's why I say we can't always look at the federal. We've got to look at the local. And um, we shouldn't have small schools in New York City. It's hurting the, it's hurting the kids. And the, and the parents don't know that the money that they pump into, you know, administration um, at schools, if, if, if a principal is making 200 something thousand dollars, one principal, you have four principals in a school, that's already a million dollars already. That's a waste. Mm-hmm. So Thank you for calling. Uh, Thank you for calling, man. man. We really appreciate it. And good luck with everything out there, too. Yes. And I do yes. want to say that I also think things can be done simultaneously. It doesn't have to be one or the other. I do think the education is very important. That is one of the most important things and the foundation of everything. But at the same time, I do feel like we do need plans for small businesses and we do need plans to make sure people can become first time homeowners and all of those yeah. things can happen at the same time. And we do need plans yes. to make sure that the police brutality is, uh, you know, non-existent in our community. And we do need plans to make sure that if you are going to pre- to prevent people from going to jail, just to start with, you know, forget and, and also reform, but let's just make sure people don't go to jail. It's all a work in progress. I'm glad that mm-hmm. Biden put this on the table. Um, it's a negotiation, though. We have a long way to go. But, you know, you just got to remember, you can't small business home ownership your way out of poverty because most folks don't have the capital for either. So stuff like this is good for folks who have a little something, but promising just every black person that they will rise via black capitalism through small businesses, education, and home ownership. That's just simply not all of our reality. So it's it's solid for those of us who already have a little something, but I still think he's missing out on directly implementing things that will impact black communities immediately. Right. And and, and I just want to say last thing, you know, when you talk about education, a lot of the the, the talks about education is BS, all right? Bullish. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the curriculum hasn't changed. You're teaching kids about pie. When is the last time you used pie, Charlamagne? I want some pie right now, but I'm on a diet. I can't wait to give me some sweet potato pie. We got to teach these kids how to be entrepreneurs and not be worker bees. That's what we have to start doing, man. We we, we exaggerate the return on investment 
uh, in regards to education a lot. Got to change the curriculum. Like, let's just, let, right. like, let's just be that, real. And that's why I feel like, yes, education is the foundation. But like you said, teach these kids to be entrepreneurs. At the same time, you also have to make sure you invest in people who are trying to start businesses. But I also think that when we talk about education, we talk about education from the uh, standpoint of schooling, right? Education Correct. is what you're talking about. Envy, like going to learn about real estate. Uh, yes. You know, going stock to learn market. about how to invest the stock Cold. market. You know what I mean? Yeah, go yes. learn coding. Like, it's different ways to get an education. That's why I think trade school is important. Trade school is education. Learn how to do something with your hands. You can immediately get out there in the workforce and make money, and you can rebuild your own communities at the same time. And somebody can teach you how to start a small business. And if you know how to do air conditions, you can start your own air conditioning company. Or you can start your own electrician company. It's a lot of different ways to get yeah. this money. All Everything right, well, goes hand in hand in hand. Well, we got rumors on the way. Yes, let's talk about Tory Lanez. We know he's been very successful successful with his quarantine radio. We'll tell you how they're raising money. And then we'll also tell you about some type of altercation that went down with Tory Lanez involving a couple of women you've heard of. All right, we'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Listen up. It's just in. All the gossip. gossip. The rumor report. It's the rumor report. The Breakfast Club. Yes, so the director for The Last Dance said it was difficult interviewing Kobe Bryant for the docuseries. He said the interview was one of the shorter ones that he conducted. He had about 25 minutes, and at the time, Kobe was preoccupied as he was getting ready for a speech. He was about to give it the ESPY Awards, and he said, you know... Kobe Bryant was not predictable in this interview. He said we were kind of circling each other for a while. They finally found a groove when they started talking about the 1998 All-Star Game leading to Kobe revealing some insight on his interactions with Jordan. If you guys did not see the episode of The Last Dance where Kobe Bryant was on on Sunday, here is what that sounded like. It was a rough couple years for me and coming to the league because at the time the league was so much older. It's not as young as it is today. Michael provided a lot of guidance for me. Like, I had a question about shooting this turnaround shot. So I asked him about it. You know, he gave me a great detailed answer. But on top of that, he said, if you ever need anything, give me a call. It's like my big brother. You know, I truly hate having discussions about who would win one-on-one. And what you get from me is from him. I won't get five championships here without him. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, I wanted to see more of... I, I, I want to just know more about the relationship between... Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, even though, you know, Michael was a big brother to him, I just would like to know some of the game that, you know, he gave to Kobe. I mean, we'll never be able to hear from Kobe's side fully ever again, mm-hmm. but I still would like to hear about, you know, just some of the things that he told he told uh, Kobe coming up. Now, Jason Hayher said that also, the director said that in one part, uh, Jordan refers to Bryant as that little Laker boy, and... Yep. He said, we would rewatch and rewatch these things because someone in the footage could murmur something and you would run it back and realize you've struck gold. He said, I knew we had fo- footage of Kobe brushing shoulders with Michael at the beginning of the All-Star game and then playing each other on the floor. But those little moments like him saying, little Laker boy, that's where the gold is. You really had to have your eyes and your ears open for a you lot of doc, stuff. You know, the doc's not even finished yet. Like episodes yeah. uh, 9 and 10, I think 9 just got done. Well, they said that The Last Dance is officially headed to Netflix also. So that docuseries will be on Netflix. So while it's being co-produced by ESPN and Netflix under the terms of their agreement, only the sports network has had rights to air episodes in the U.S. until now. So they said The Last Dance will arrive on Netflix on July 19th. The series won't be available on ESPN Plus until July of 2021. 
All right, Candy Burris and Nene Leakes. Seems like the two of them just can't seem to get along. And the Real Housewives of Atlanta reunion is going to be airing this Sunday, May 10th. And here's a little uh, trailer teaser for what's going to be happening on this three-part reunion. Get into it, girls. When have you ever had a man on this show other than the one you and Nene were f***ing at the same time? First of all, I will never forgive you for ever speaking on my child. Do you see me? Do you hear what I am saying? I never I will be the I wish I would be sitting there yelling and screaming at somebody over goddamn Zoom. Our <laughs> V-mix. You know how stupid you look? I wonder, did they know how stupid they look in them little square boxes yelling and screaming at each other? I don't know. Come on, man. But uh, listen, I do feel like I have to tune into this. <laughs> I'm going to watch. Right. Yeah. Oh, you'll be watching... You'll be watching Real Housewives of Atlanta reunion? Yep. Okay, good. Me too. All right, Tory Lanez has turned quarantine radio success into making sure that he has a fund for families who have been affected by coronavirus. Here's what he had to say. I'm launching the Tory Lanez Dream City Fund, and basically um, we're going we're gonna to basically be doing something to provide diapers and food for uh, unfortunate people that are uh, or people that are unfortunately affected by this COVID-19 situation. And so uh, I just linked up with Amazon Music and we both came together and we've reached uh, the place for our first launch goal and the, and the first donation that we want. And together, me and Amazon Music, we're going to be donating 100,000 diapers to the Dream City Fund and to Dream Centers. Well, that's dope that he's doing something positive for the people. The Tory Lane's a- Dream City Fund. I can't think of too many uh, artists that are doing this quarantine thing better than Tory Lanez. Tory Lanez is really doing this. Yes, he is, boy. Swizz and Timbaland, uh, you know, with their verses, I think they... Well, I don't count Swizz and Timbaland, though. I don't count them because they're legends already. they goats, you know what I'm saying? They've been had their feet kicked up. I'm talking about the guys who are still active and were probably, like, feeling a little anxiety because they didn't know what they were going to do and they didn't have to tour. And I feel like Tory really showed people how to keep attention on, on, on you and how to make money. The two people I would say would be D-Nice and Tory Lanez. They they have yeah. worked this quarantine thing, too, to the D-Nice. team, boy. Mm-hmm. Definitely D-Nice. Definitely mm-hmm. D-Nice. Yep. Well, D-Nice already... Soli- I mean, you know, he's not up and coming, either. I would yeah, but like D-Nice started a whole wave. No standards. He started, he started a, yeah, a whole wave, though. Like, it wasn't all them DJs DJing like that before D-Nice on that nope. Instagram. And I uh, feel D-Nice like that versus battle started a whole new wave, too, because we weren't really seeing that previously in that case. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I don't. I mean, I don't see. I don't see where that's gonna help. Uh, like everybody can't do the versus battle is what I'm saying. Like Tori is creating a blueprint for other artists to follow if this quarantine thing goes any 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 longer. That's the difference. Well, I, I gave you the Tory Lanez good news. Now, do you want to hear the crazy thing that happened? So sure. apparently, there was some type of altercation. Uh, Tory Lanez was leaving his building, and Selena Powell approached him and started to harass him, according to a source. They said the two of them have a pretty bad history, and she's got it out for Tory Lanez. You know who Selena Powell is, the one that, I guess, always exposes men, and she's the one that was exposing Snoop Dogg for saying that she was talking to him, and she did the same thing, I believe, with Offset in the past, and a lot of people. Uh, Well, anyway, she approached him, and I guess he was leaving his building with Kaylin Garcia, Joe Button's ex, and... Then they got into an altercation, and now Selena Powell is posting pictures of herself badly bruised with back and neck pain because allegedly Kaylin uh, attacked her and when she tried to approach Tory Lanez outside of his building. So that was all on TMZ. <laughs> 
just craziness. Like, I don't know who's fighting right now during coronavirus. And yeah, why are these people the... not social distancing? Why are they running into each other? I haven't ran into anybody in a couple months. Right. So there you go. Good news, bad news. All right. Why is, Tor- why, why is Tori around these kind of people? Where well, is Tori at? That Tori these people and are... Selena Powell are in this, live in the same building. Tori. Maybe you're not doing as good as I thought you were. Yeah, and we you need to get out of that building, Tori. Yeah, Jesus you shouldn't be in the building, Tori. Tori. Yeah, I should be in that. Better this is than in that. Miami. Maybe it's just one of his places. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nah, no, still no, no. can't can't be in the building with her. Nah, no way, Jose. No way. Nope. <laughs> All right, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right, thank you, Miss Yee. Charlemagne. Yes, sir. Who are you giving that donkey to? Uh, you know, it's a family out there, uh, a family called the Teagues from Flint, Michigan. They need to come to the front of the congregation. Though I like uh, the way they move as a family unit, nah, we'll talk about it. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building or on the phone line right now, Miss Shanti Das. Good morning. Good morning, Shanti. Hey, How are you? Hey, Angela. Uh, you know, I'm doing okay. Uh, I live by myself, so the isolation is getting to me at times, but I'm trying to follow all my directions that I give to everybody else to stay present right. and stay connected. Mm-hmm. But it gets to be a bit much at times. I live by myself, too. So I am enjoying some of the downtime, but then other times you're like, all right, now. Girl, the other night I felt like, you remember that movie that um, Tom Hanks was in, Castaway? I was like, Carl Yes. Wilson. You know, it is, it is Mental Health Awareness Month, Shanti. So so who who are you talking to? So honestly, I'm uh, talking to a lot of people in our underserved communities, you know, just trying to reach out and talk to people on social media. But my friends and family, they kind of grew up with me. You know, a year ago, I lost my sister, um, and I had actually, it just happened when I came on your show last year. But just the people that really know me and that love me and don't judge me, and if I'm having a moment, they'll talk me through it, you know? Now, let's talk about silence to shame a little bit for people that don't know. Let's explain what silence to shame is, and let's go through that. So silence to shame is an education and awareness an advocacy organization. We exist to educate communities around mental health and wellness, especially communities of color. So we do community conversations. You know, thank mm-hmm. you, Charlemagne, for always being a part of our talk. Uh, we have a thank podcast you. on Google Play, iTunes, and SoundCloud where we interview everyday people and celebrities and clinicians just to talk about things affecting our community from postpartum depression to post-traumatic slave disorder or just the PTSD that our kids experience in our urban communities. Um, we also offer free mental health first aid training. It's kind of like taking a CPR course, but it's an eight-hour course, which really gives people a general understanding of the different mental illnesses that exist and, you know, ways to de-escalate a crisis. So we do a lot for the community. We are a small but mighty organization, um, and we're just hoping that we continue to uplift our communities and get people to being okay with getting help if they need it. So I want to thank you guys. Breakfast Club um, for just being a platform that people can share and talk about mental health openly because it's really helping a lot of people. And, and today is Silence the, Sh- the Shame Day, correct? It is. It's National Silence the Shame Day. A few years ago, I had a little idea to just make a flyer and see if anybody would post, and we got 90 million impressions. And so the National Day Register gave us our own day. So before y'all take these shots today, make sure y'all check out Silence the Shame. Hey, I see you're talking to Michelle Williams. I see you're talking to Michelle Williams today, too, for Silence the Shame Day. Actually, I talked to Michelle yesterday. Today, I'm talking to Common and Swiss Beats. Um, oh, wow. You know, okay. Talks a lot about um, 
mental health. And I want to talk to him specifically about some of the work that he's done in the prison and how a lot of the inmates are not really getting the mental health support that they need. And then, of course, Swiss Beats, um, with what he's been able to do with Versus, I think it has really added a, a much-needed level of self-care for everybody. Right. Because, of, you know, the anticipation of all the battles, and, you know, we got Erica and Jill coming up. So everybody feel like, you know, they going to an event. You know, baby face, I was like, okay, let me find a little outfit to rock for Teddy Riley. There you go. He got my endorphins going. It put me in a better mood. So we're going to chop it up later today. Shanti, what kind of uh, impact does coronavirus have on on mental health? And how, and how has that driven your mission even more? So, you know, I think people are definitely more stressed out. They're more anxious. Um, there's a heightened level, I think, of depression in our communities, especially when you talk about communities of color, because so many of us um, in the African-American community, the Latino community, we're on the front lines, right? We're the mail carriers. We're the delivery drivers. We're the sanitation workers. And, you know, by not having the right EPP that's needed, we still got to go out and make the donuts for our families and for the communities. And so it's just making people a lot more stressed out. And I really don't think that we have um, enough tools that we're equipped with to process through this. Even just last week, you know, rest in peace to the doctor in New York that took her own life. Um, yeah. actually was, you know, contracted with the disease. She contracted the disease, but also was on the front line helping everybody else. And it's just, it's showing everybody that, you know, it's okay to get help if you need it. And shout out to New York because there is a helpline number, 844-863-9341. It's over 6,000 clinicians giving free telehealth services for mental health. So, you know, we just got to do what we can right now through COVID-19, um, but really be able to provide resources to our friends and family. That's why it's so important to educate ourselves. Because you might not have a mental illness, but you might have somebody else in your family that's affected by it or in your church community, you know, or in your circle of friends. So we have to learn as much as we can so we can empower one another. Mm -hmm. How much have you been watching the news and how does that affect your mood? Because I know a lot of us are trying to keep updated. Things are changing daily. And sometimes it can yeah. be a lot just to watch what's happening. Absolutely. So it's funny y'all say that. I definitely limit my news consumption. We do a lot of work with the American Psychiatric Association Foundation, and they released a report on workplace wellness and working from home, and they talked about the importance of limiting your news consumption. Like for me, I try to wake up and check the national news because the local news to me is just depressing anyway, even pre-COVID-19. Um, so I check the national news so I can get the facts. And then I take breaks. I may not tap into it until the afternoon or either the nightly news because it stresses me out even more. Um, I want to stay informed because I want to know what's going on with state reopening, and you should want to know, but you have to make sure that you're watching your consumption of not only the news, but social media, right? Because I feel, I find it crazy. Like I was watching somebody's IG live, and, you know, it was about music, but people were still trolling and being negative. I'm like, y'all people are out here mm. dying. Like y'all really want right. to know somebody's face? So that, I can't let that negativity into my spirit because it brings me way down. So I encourage y'all to limit your social media and your news consumption. Absolutely. Do you, think, um, do you think our leadership, like American leadership, has responded appropriately uh, in ways to support people suffering from mental health during this pandemic? Because like, I, I don't know if the mental health aspect is being touched on as much as it should be. So I see it being touched on like in the news, but I haven't really heard a lot of our leaders like I want to come out and talk about it. Because pre-COVID, you know, we were seeing a decline in the amount of resources and funding that states were getting. And so, you know, post-COVID, you know, people are definitely still going to be in trouble from a mental health perspective. So 
our leaders need to really understand the importance of them, and they got to pour more money into the mental health space, which is why, you know, a small organization like Silence of Shame, I know we can't service everybody, but one of the reasons why we're raising money today is so that we can do more community conversations, we can do more mental health first aid training. We also want to donate a portion of the proceeds to free therapy, because you talk about people in rural communities, you know, yeah, you might be able to go into the hospital in a major city, but a lot of people in rural areas who, you know, it's like one town store and, uh, you know, 100 people and everybody know each other. Like, those are the people who really are, like, suffering from a lack of mental health resources. And I really think our state representatives and our governors, like I said, really need to do a better job of making sure that they have access to services. All right. Well, we What's have your, more with Shanti Doss. Hold on, Charlamagne. Let's, let's come back and talk to us some more. We have more with Shanti Doss when we come back today. It's Silence the Shame Day. We're going to talk to her. We're going to find out when we, where we can donate and what is online that people can go to online to try to help themselves out. All right? So don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We have Shanti Doss on the line right now. Today is Silence the Shame Day. It's a nonprofit organization that focuses on the education and awareness around mental health. Now, Charlemagne, you just asked, where can people donate, right? Yeah, where can they donate to Silence the Shame? I know, but where can they, if they want to donate today? So if you guys want to donate, you can go and text the word SILENCE to 707-070, or you can go on our website, www.silenceashame.com. And it's important to note that we are a 501c3, so all donations are tax deductible. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely going to make a donation today. And I want to ask you too, Shanti, do you think that this pandemic will have long-term effects on people's mental health? Yeah, I do. I really think that um, we're going to experience a lot of PTSD from it. You know, again, like I was mentioning um, earlier, just people that are more stressed. You know, you really don't think about not only losing a loved one. When we talk about grief and loss, right? Think about the symbolic losses that people experience. Loss mm-hmm. of physical connection, loss of their job, loss of financing. I mean, it's so many different things that you can talk about from a symbolic loss perspective. And as these, you know, um, states start reopening, everybody might not get their job right away, right? Right. Or a lot of people Mm -hmm. are still in the hole. That $1,200 stimulus package, that barely covers rent for some people. What about food? It's going to be so much going on. People are going to be stressed to no end. But the good news is, help is out there, but we got to pay attention to it. I, I, think think I, I just think how heartbreaking it is, too. Like our friend Trav that calls every morning, his grandfather passed, but no one could go to the funeral, and that has to weigh on you when you think about people right now that have to deal with loss like that and see a loved one have a funeral but not be able to attend the funeral. Or you see in Brooklyn bodies outside of a funeral home in a U-Haul truck. And I'm glad you brought that up, Angela. Um, we did a webinar. Silence of Shame has been doing free webinars during COVID-19. And so there is one that we did on grief and loss. And we had a trauma expert, um, Dr. Ajita Robinson, who is a bad sister out of uh, Maryland. I urge you guys to go to our Silence of Shame TV page on YouTube and check it out under grief and loss because hopefully, you know, you can find a lot of tips that can help you through it. But it's devastating. I even lost um, a, a cousin two weeks ago in Michigan. And, you know, they have to wait two weeks and they're planning the service this weekend. Wow. We'll all be able to watch it virtually. But the fact, you know, think about in our communities, right? Like the funeral, even though it's a, a sad occasion, it's a celebration of life, right? Right. And Absolutely. Like, we can't do that. And so those types of experiences that we're going to be able to miss, um, it's definitely going to have an emotional aspect um, on our lives. And so we have to be more patient with one another. We have to mm-hmm. provide one another grace. 
You know, we have to provide one another favor in this time because, you know, you really don't know what people are going through. And I know we get on IG a lot and we talk about, you know, you got to do this. You got to stay positive, you know, and you got to start a brand and you got to come out better than, man, some people just barely waking up in the morning. Just trying to come out. Yeah, just trying to come out. Just trying to come out, period. Yeah. What about parents? You know, you know, we think about a lot of adults losing jobs, but for kids, I mean, the fact that they have, you know, they can't see their friends, they're not going to school, they, they're stuck in the rut. A lot of them can't go outside. They can't go to the park. So how do we deal with kids during this time with their mental health? We need parents to understand how to talk to them. You know, kids aren't necessarily going to understand the bigger words like stress and anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. But what you want to ask them is, how are you feeling today? Or right. they come to you and tell you that they have a stomachache. That may be that they're anxious about something or that they're sad about something. Or if they're withdrawing from you and not really wanting to come and eat dinner at the dinner table or participate, you know, whether you're doing Zoom, family, you know, virtual things or whatever, if that child is withdrawing, parents really need to understand that it might not just be that child being a brat or them being a typical teenager. They may actually be experiencing a lot of anxiety. Do you think it's necessary for schools to offer mental health services and include those conversations into the curriculum, especially after this global pandemic? Absolutely. Uh, just last year, I was reading where the state of Florida and another state, they were starting to offer at least five hours of mandatory mental health education for students in grades six through K. And I think that's very important. And I even think we need to find ways to, you know, talk to our kids in K-5 about their feelings. So, Yes, absolutely. I hope, you know, we can make sure that, you know, we are voting for the right people, you know, to get in office in November that will understand the importance of emotional health and wellness because kids now, just like, you know, you have sex education or just like they take PE classes, they need education on mental health now. I agree. Well, thank you for joining us. Now, for people out there that want to donate, can you tell them how to donate one more time just in case they just joined us? Yes, you can text SILENCE to 707-070, or you can go to our website, silencethesame.com. I also quickly want to um, let you guys know, so I created this um, new kind of marketing campaign for us, because y'all know I used to do marketing in the music business. So mm-hmm. I created Dance to Donate, where a bunch of DJs, producers, and artists have been doing live sets, and we're going to be raising funds for Silence of Shame for the next two weeks. So we already had DJ Trauma and... Um, uh, Brian Michael Cox from Dallas Austin jumped it off this weekend for us today on IG. Um, Jermaine Dupree is doing a set from 4 to 6 p.m. And then we got DJ MOS from 6 to 8 p.m. And DJ Mars from 8 to 9 and a lot more. Envy, I saw you over the weekend. I came to your house party. It looked like y'all was up in the club. <laughs> you, you, you was whining? You was whining, Bogland? I was whining. I was getting my, you know, my little my Your pepper seed. <laughs> But, I, we, you know, would love to even have you do a set if you would consider. I'm in. So we're calling all the DJs to help you um, dance to donate. I'm in. Let's let me know the time. I'll, I'll call you outside of this. Let's let me know the time, and I'm in. That would be dope. It's a lot of fun. So, y'all, make sure that you understand the importance of emotional health and wellness. Let's silence the shame in our communities. Our goal for 2020 is to raise a million dollars. We also are going to give some of the money to students of color because there is a really um, lack of conditions of color in our community and Mm -hmm. not to say that you can't go to a therapist that doesn't look like you but we found that oftentimes you know that could help people from a cultural competency perspective so we want to be able to find that as well and hopefully one day partner up with Taraji Foundation because they're doing some amazing work as well yes the Boris Lawrence Henson Foundation Salute to Tracy and Taraji you Tracy uh you Shanti and Tracy and Taraji are just 
three of my favorite people that I love to, you know, support in this space, man, because y'all really out here doing the work. I love you guys, too, and thank you again for being on Yale Wellness, which is something else. You know, my marketing uh, wheels were spinning, so I created a, a IG live show called Yale Wellness, and Charlamagne, you were my first guest, and I've had everybody from Keisha Campbell to Dondre Whitfield, and as I mentioned, I'm talking to Swiss Beats today in common, so you guys check out the Yale Wellness platform on my IG, excuse me, at ShantiDoss404. All right. Well, thank you you again for joining us, Shanti Das. Appreciate you and all the work that you're doing. We're so grateful and thankful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shanti. Thank you, Shanti. I love you all. Happy Silence the same day. All right. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee. Yes, y'all know Mother's Day is coming up on Sunday. I don't know what to do, by the way, for Mother's Day for my mom, because normally I would take her out and give her a present and do all these things, and now I feel like maybe I should just give her some money, because that's what people really kind of need right now, and I know she needs it too. Is that rude? Uh, Um, Kind of. I'm going to do a drive-by. I'm going to just drive by to my, my mom's house with the kids and everybody and beep the horn and maybe have some balloons. But I'm talking about a present. Nah, my mom right. got to get a present when, when it's over. Yeah, I feel like, you know, um, it's, it's, you, you have you have so much time to think that you should put a little bit more thought into into that. Like, money is what you yeah, give I, somebody when you haven't put no thought into it. But she can't do really like much of anything. It's a hard time because it's hard to get things shipped out on time. I don't really necessarily... Normally, I would, like, take my mom shopping. I can't do that this year. I could send her some money. I know she needs it, too, just because people aren't working like that right now. So it's not an easy time. So I'm thinking maybe that's more thoughtful, just knowing that it's a financially hard time. But we'll see. But Brandy is celebrating being a, a quote, baby mama. That's her song that she has out, her new single featuring mm-hmm. Chance the Rapper. And she talks about being a boss. Here is a snippet in case you haven't heard the song. Sounds dated. Sounds very, very dated. Like something that should have came out in the like early 2000s. Like way too much going daughter, on in that record. Her daughter is 17 years old now. Isn't that amazing? Brandy's so. daughter is 17? Yes. Why are you acting surprised about that? Like you wasn't grown as hell when she was on TV having that baby, man. I don't know. in your 20s then. Jeesh. Wow. Knock it off. Like, I'm bugging. My I'm daughter's blessed, 18. Like, I'm bugging. Like, what am I talking about? Yes. Oh, so you had you got grown kids your goddamn self. Yeah, my daughter's 18. I got an 18, a 16, a, a 6, a 5, and a 3-year-old. What am I saying? You're talking about damn. I know. Knock it off. That's what happens when you pretend to be young all the goddamn time. No, it's not even that. Really you just, old just as hell. time flies. Like, I just thought about, like, I got an 18-year-old. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. That's what happens when you're 57, isn't it? And speaking of daughters, Sasha and Malia Obama have given their first interview ever in Michelle Obama's Becoming documentary. It only makes sense, right? So the two of them are going to chime in about their mother's accomplishments. I'm excited for her to be proud of what she's done because I think that's the most important thing for a human to do is be proud of themselves. And they said that their mother is no longer facing that same scrutiny. 
being able to let all of that leave your mind creates so much space. So that's the first time they've ever spoken publicly and Becoming is actually going to premiere on Netflix tomorrow. So I'm sure you're excited to see that. I never thought about that. We've never seen Sasha and Malia speak. And that's fine. It's like they don't have to say a goddamn thing if they don't want to. Salute to both of them. How old are they now? Uh, 21 and 19. Damn! <laughs> you don't want to put damn near right. in? I was about to. I was about to say, damn! <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> All right, Nicolas Cage is going to be playing Tiger King in a TV series about Joe Exotic. He kind of looks like him when I was looking online at what the two of them face, you know, side by side. According to Variety, it will be Nicolas Cage's first ever regular television role. It's going to be an eight-part scripted TV series. So the story is going to center around Joe Exotic um, as an eccentric exotic zookeeper in Oklahoma who fights to keep his park even at the risk of losing his sanity. So it's based, of course... On the tiger. God damn. You're not going to let the documentary breathe? They're not even going to let the nope, show nope. breathe for a second nope. before they jump into a scripted show? And why do I need a scripted show based off of an actual reality show? What is the point? I see the scripted already. show be better. Honestly, yeah. And how are they going to shoot it? It's Corona season. When are they going to get together and have a film crew and a production crew and all of that to shoot? Well, we don't know when they're going to shoot it. I guess he's just signed on. So maybe, you know, they'll start working on it later. But that's what's happening. Okay, Zoe Kravitz tried to drop her famous last name. Obviously, she is the only child of Lenny Kravitz and uh, Lisa Bonet. And she recalled while she was talking to Dak Shepard on his Armchair Expert podcast, she tried to change her, well, get rid of her last name, just dump it, go by her first name and middle name, Zoe Isabella. She said, I kind of tried to do it, but it just didn't stick. People kept on forgetting. No one was, was responding to this idea. Then she said she mentioned it to her dad at one point and it made him feel a little, little sad. So she decided it just wasn't working anyway and she didn't do it. Okay. You know, I just get it, though. It's probably hard to just go around with that last name Kravitz and people asking about your mom and your dad. So she just kind of wanted to make it in that way. It didn't stick. All right, and Scott Disick went to rehab. Now, it's an interesting story because he entered this rehab facility, and I guess they broke some type of uh, non-disclosure agreement because next thing you know, it's already all over the news. Now, they said he is planning to sue the rehab over a leaked photo. He said it's not because of any type of drinking or cocaine issues. He checked himself in just because of some issues that he's been dealing with. So the photo that was taken inside the rehab facility, they said it is a violation. And he believes the photo was taken by a staff member and not a patient. And that could trigger criminal prosecution. So Yeah, that's crazy. Don't, don't the, don't the, doesn't the rehab have the same type of uh, privacy rules and regulations that a hospital does, I would think? I thought so. Yeah, shit, definitely do. That's why he's suing. Groupie-ass worker. Groupie-ass worker. About to cost him all kind of money. He's trying to come to terms and deal with the pain that he's been silently suffering for many years because of the sudden death of his mother, followed by the death of of his father three months later. So he checked himself into a rehab to try to work on those past traumas. Plenty of people go to rehab for for mental health reasons, you know, and that's, that's clearly grief that he's dealing from. So yeah, you 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 can you you can't put a time frame on when somebody gets over that because they may never get over it. So I'm glad that that man is going to get some healing. And All he right, should sue the hell out that rehab. And that is your rumor report. All right, thank you, Miss Yee. Now when we come back, let's get to the People's Choice mix. Happy birthday, Chris Brown! Today is Chris Brown's uh, birthday, so let's get some Chris Brown joints. On. And it's Natina's birthday. Happy birthday to my girl Natina! It's a big one for her. We were actually supposed to be in Turks and Caicos this week, but obviously that trip is pushed back because of coronavirus. But happy birthday, Natina!
Yeah, happy birthday, Natina. And happy birthday, Natina. Tomorrow. How old was Natina today? 51? She 40, 40 club. Oh, she hit 40 today? Yeah, yes, she's a 40, big 40 birthday club. for her. Drop one of clues bonds for Natina. I thought Natina was way over 40. Stop it, man. Stop it. You ass, How you man. can't just say happy birthday and be nice? I am being nice. I'm just making a statement. I thought she was way over 40. She's very happy. mature for her age. Birthday, you're a jerk. Happy birthday, Natina. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha We are the Breakfast Club. Now, um, we have to shout to Shanti Das for joining us this morning. Salute to Shanti, man. Today is Silence to Shame Day. Make you make sure you go to silencetoshame.com and you know donate to Silence to Shame. I got to make my donation right now, but Silence to Shame is definitely an organization that um. I trust when it comes to helping to eradicate the stigma around mental health. And like she says, silence in the shame. So you can text silence to 707070 to donate to them today. So salute to Shanti Das. Absolutely. I, I'm a DJ for them too. Uh, we got to set up a time to DJ for a DJ thon that they're doing to raise money. So I'm going to get on and DJ in. But uh, when we come back, we got the positive note. Don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha We are the Breakfast Club. Good morning. And it is Cinco de Mayo, and it is Taco Tuesday, but it's also the last day for the deadline for you to get that $500 economic impact payment per child, okay? So I know there's a lot of people who could use this money right now. Make sure you get this done today to get your payment in 2020. So if you did not file a tax return last year and you have kids under 17, you have to act now to get that $500 per child. Go to irs.gov and enter your information in the non-filer tool you have today to do it. Today is the last day, so don't pass up on that money if you're eligible. Absolutely. Go get that money, man. Go get that money. Now, let's get up out of here. Charlamagne, you got a positive note for the people. Yes, man. I want to read y'all something out of my uh, daily stoic book. Salute to my guy, Ryan Holiday. You know, I read these every morning. This is part of my affirmations that I read in the morning. And today for Cinco de, de Mayo, it says, you are the project. Okay? Professionals don't have to justify spending time training or practicing their work. It's what they do. And practice is how they get good at it. The raw materials vary from career to career, just as the locations and duration vary depending on the person and the profession. But the one constant is the working of those materials, the gradual improvements and proficiency. According to the Stoics, your mind is the asset that must be worked on the most and understood the best. You are the project. Breakfast club, bitches! Are y'all finished or y'all done?